Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Partners in Health and Biz with your host, Gail Dixon. Tune in every Saturday, 9 a.m. for great shows about obtaining and maintaining health, business, and finance. Learn from the experts here at PIHradio.net. And now, broadcasting from the Partners in Health and Biz studio, here's Gail. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to my show. This is, as you heard, Partners in Health and Biz, and we are so very, very happy that you could join us this morning. And, of course, we have a very special show planned for you. If you are a first-time listener, then welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you have been listening for the last seven years, we are so happy that you are one of our faithful listeners. <laughs> so this morning we have and my special guest I want to tell you you about. So before I do that, get pen and paper ready because you may want to take notes. It's a very important show. And the call-in number, if you have questions or comments, 347-945-7433, We'll probably be able to take one caller if we can this morning. So my special guest this morning and the topic, video and Internet addictions are real. Video and Internet addictions are real. My special guest, Dr. Hillary Cash, is co-founder and chief clinical officer for Restart Life, PLLC, which is a residential program designed explicitly for adults and adolescents who are experiencing serious problems because of addiction to the Internet and video games. Dr. Cash began her work in the emerging field of Internet addiction in the mid-90s. By 1999, she had co-founded an outpatient clinic called Internet Computer Addiction Services, now closed in Redmond, Washington. In 2008, she co-authored the book, Video Games and Your Kids, How Parents Stay in Control. And in 2009, she co-founded Restart Life. All of these ongoing endeavors have brought her recognition as one of the nation's leading experts in the growing field of Internet and video game addiction. She is a public speaker, workshop presenter, and has appeared in well over 600 news reports about internet addiction. So without further ado, I'd like to open Dr. Hillary Cash's microphone and welcome her to Partners in Health and Biz. Good morning, Dr. Cash. Are you with us? I certainly am and I'm happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. I am so happy you could join us this morning. This is a very interesting topic, um, video and internet addictions. And and uh, your start in this field is quite interesting. Uh, would you uh, tell us how about the uh, the organization Restart Life and how how it all began? I'd be happy to. When I was in private practice and had, you know, we Jay Parker and I had started that outpatient clinic for internet addicts. Um, I was always so frustrated that there was no place specifically designed for the young adults, mostly male, who were coming into my office addicted to usually video games primarily, although they were doing other things online as well, but there was no appropriate place to send them. If somebody came in who was addicted to pornography, 
there are specialized treatment facilities where I could send them, but not for video games and other things. When I met Cosette, uh, she also was in private practice and had sought me out for consultation about a very, very difficult case. And we just put our heads together, and she went back and talked to her husband. They called me, and they said, look, our kids are grown. We have a big house on five acres of land. Why don't we experiment and see if we can make a go of starting to provide this service? So that's, that's how it started, and we've grown a lot since then, but those were our humble, very humble beginnings. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, it's definitely needed. I mean, so many parents are complaining about their children, their teenagers and preteens, even young adults uh, saying that they're, um, they can't get them off these, uh, away from these video games and the Internet, and it's been affecting, uh, affecting so many people in a negative way. Um, so what are the signs and symptoms for internet addiction, how uh, how would a, a person know or a parent know that their child is actually uh, addicted? What usually parents are going to see is that their child withdrawing and holding up in the room and on their phone all the time or up in their room on the computer and no longer wanting to participate with the family um, Angry, very, very angry, often violently so, violently screaming and yelling, pushing. If parents try to get them away from the devices and parents will start seeing grades dropping often because kids are, uh, you know, once they become addicted, they're not going to be putting their time and effort into uh grades in school, they're going to be putting it into the video games. And um, quite often in our adolescent program, the kids have simply stopped refusing to go to school. I mean, they have stopped going to school. They are in what we call school refusal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can be violent, uh, really quite violent with police having to be called. I mean, those are the extreme cases. But before you get to that stage, you're going to see you know, a lot of irritability and lack of cooperation and uh, the kids seem completely preoccupied with whatever it is they're doing online and that's usually going to be, uh, well, some pornography, but usually it's the video games that we see among the boys and with the girls, it's social media. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Yeah, I uh, first... The, the way I found out about you and um, originally, I <laughs> I uh, do follow Dr. Oz and the doctors and different TV shows, and I um, happened to be watching the, the doctors Dr. Oz show one day, and um, there, lo and behold, there you were, and Dr. Oz uh, was interviewing you about video um, and internet addiction, and I believe I heard. Um, you say that there was a case that was so extreme with the with the young person um, being addicted that they sat for hours and hours uh, playing these games, days on time, days on end, and that they had to have their legs am- amputated. Is that right? <laughs> we never saw this particular young person, um, uh-huh. but just after we opened Restart, a stepmom called in. Her stepson was living with his grandmother, 
And yes, he had had his, one of his legs amputated because he'd been sitting so long for, for uh, you know, days on end in one position. And I suppose he got up to go to the bathroom, although there are many cases of kids who will just pee into a bottle and will soil themselves because they're unwilling to get up and leave what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was his case. But in, in any case, because he wasn't moving, um, he developed a blood clot, and, and, and they ended up not being able to save his leg. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, I was going to say another uh, really fascinating case for us uh, is just the extreme of what we commonly see, which is is difficulty with sleep because what happens for kids and young adults who are addicted to video games and the Internet is that their sleep cycles become very tend to become very disrupted. And they're not getting enough sleep. They're staying up playing games. Their brains are stimulated like as though they're on speed, you know, a drug that keeps them awake. Sometimes they are abusing drugs to keep them awake like Adderall, which is a form of speed. And they are, and so what happens is that their sleep cycles are completely wacky and they often, almost always, are very sleep deprived by the time they come to us. And one, in one case, there was a young man who was older than usual. He was 26 when he came. And he was on his way. He said when he left us after treatment, he was going down to Stanford for a, for a sleep study. He'd been to many, many sleep study places. Melbourne had been able to solve the problem of his lack of sleep. He was so sleep deprived that he hallucinated what, when he was awake, and he was awake most of the time, but he wasn't getting adequate sleep, and he was hallucinating. Um, just exhausted, foggy, low energy, couldn't concentrate. And after six weeks of being away from all screens, which is what happens in the intensive phase of our program, um, he, he started to sleep, and that was the end of the sleep problem. But he wow. just had to be away from screens. Hmm, I see. Oh, that's interesting. So how would you identify a, a true addiction in your, um, in your clinic? How do you, is it uh, some of the main things that you just uh, mentioned? Um, is, is there a specific test or you just ask questions and, and basically come to the conclusion of a true addiction? <laughs> Well, there are out, many people have designed various screening instruments um, to, you know, to discover if somebody is, has truly got an addiction. And we have also designed one of those. And so we are asking questions about uh, such things as uh, do they lie in order to get online? Have they, have they stolen? And many of our Clients have lied, have stolen, like credit cards from parents, in order to gain access uh, to what they want related to whatever it is, usually video games. Um, You know, are are they suffering? Are they engaging in what they're doing in spite of the negative consequences? And the negative consequences 
physical and social and academic and related to work. So we have a whole list, you know, of questions like that to help us decide whether or not we think this person has an addiction. But if somebody comes, uh, we actually don't too much worry about uh, a cutoff point. If they're having a problem, they're having a problem. And whether or not we're going to call it an addiction or just a problem, um, we're going to help them uh, get over that problem. (laughs) And so um, meeting criteria like the DSM-5 has proposed nine criteria for internet addiction that's in the back. And they say if you meet five of these, then you're going to, uh, you know, we can say you're addicted. We're not worrying about that. That hasn't been made official yet as like the proper signs and symptoms checklist. Uh But we're not worried about it. If somebody's having a lot of trouble in their lives as a result of the time they're spending online, you know, we're happy to help them. Okay, okay. Uh, Excellent, because I'm telling you, this is um, a true problem, and it seems like there are more and more companies that are creating these video games, and and they're not... uh, they're not Cinderella stories or Wizard of Oz. They're a lot of them are very uh, violent games, very violent. Where yes. uh, I remember when my um, nephew was younger, you know, he he would play a lot of the um, like type GI Joe games, and where mm-hmm. you know each person was trying to see how many people they could kill, and um, and how fast yeah. you could kill yeah. someone in this, in these video games. Um, all kinds of other things are going on, sex and everything else in these uh, violent video games. So, um, mm-hmm. so how early, how can uh, early introduction? Because a lot of parents don't really seem to know how to modify their children's um, listening or watching habits. How early? How can early addiction of screens impact children's development? In profound ways. So our it's all about when you introduce it, um, what, what is the content, and how much time do you allow. And that really depends on the age and stage of development of a child. Mm-hmm. Early childhood, the first six years of childhood, are that's the time when... The, the foundation is laid for mental and physical health and social health. Those right. six years are when children need the right stimulation, the right connection to, to other people, uh, physical exercise, and so forth. What happens is, and so they are going to be best uh, protected and helped in along the way with their development, if they have zero to very little screen time. And in this case, it, that I really would include television as well, although television is not nearly as addictive as interactive screens. So okay. in the first two years of life, our recommendation is zero screens, including television. Zero. Okay. Okay. And this is hard to achieve. 
um, especially in families where there are older kids, you know, how, how do you balance all of that? And it's very difficult, but I'm just telling you what is optimal. Mm-hmm. And then once they are, once they've turned two and, and in those toddler and preschool years, it's again, the less, the better. So maybe up to an hour of screen time, but again, not interactive screens. Let them maybe occasionally watch a movie that'll go for two hours, but again, minimum, uh, minimal screen time. Once they okay. enter elementary school, uh, you know, an hour a day is probably not going to harm them, and that might now start including some appropriate video games that are uh, pro-social rather than anti-social in, in their content. But again, limiting it. An hour, half an hour of video game play will probably not harm development. Once they get to up to middle school, two hours and beyond high school, again, really no more than two hours of entertainment online would be our recommendation. Because throughout childhood, there's so many other things that kids need to be learning uh, that requires yes. their time, including how to handle boredom. You know, mm-hmm. today, because kids always have screens in their hands, they right. have, are not developing the ability to be bored. And right. out of boredom comes creativity. You know, mm-hmm. you have to think, what am I going to do other than looking at my screen so that I'm not <laughs> right. bored anymore? What's something I want to accomplish? Right, right, yeah, because um, I know parents these days, they're putting their um, children in front of uh, a screen, in front of the television, uh, way before two years old. I I would say at one year old, um, they're um, letting them watch all types of things, mainly um, maybe before two. I know they're watching the uh, cartoons. Like uh, and the uh-huh. uh, some of them are educational, the Sesame Street, and uh, right. different um, different programs that are designed specifically for young children. But in your opinion, you're saying it's not a good idea until they're at least two to introduce them to any screen time. So, right, and um, then once you do introduce them to screen time, something like Sesame Street is a wonderful. That's a wonderful program. So yeah, okay. there are some good programs, but. There are a lot of programs, cartoons for kids that are actually really not good for them. They're, right. They're Some of them aren't even for confusing. children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. But, but a lot of the ones that are designed for kids are still not good for kids. You know, right. they're too right. fast-paced. They're too chaotic, overstimulating. Uh, they're not helping kids, um, you know, develop. And the consequences really are things like... Um, Well, a term was coined by researchers called virtual autism. And they are, and more and more people are studying the possibility that very early introduction of screens with with newborns and in those first two years of life might be actually creating what looks like autism. And that... And in particular, it means that the kids, because parents and child are not interacting enough or caregivers and child are not interacting with one another and talking to one another and, you know, snuggling and playing and so forth, 
that yeah. the child actually becomes more attached to the screen than to people because wow. they're, yeah. that's what they have in their hands. That's what they're interacting yeah. with. Right. And, and that's very autistic, you know, to be attached to something inanimate like a screen. Mm-hmm. And right. that they, are, they fail to develop social skills and, you know, good social skills and the ability to read social cues, body language, tone of voice, all of that. They, they're not developing that, again, because they're spending time with screens rather than in human-to-human interaction. Right. And so they sense. may not have genetically based autism, but they end up looking mildly, at least, mildly autistic. So that's just Some one example like ADHD, a, a attention deficit disorder, that is something else which can be the brain in children can be wired for short attention span rather than good long attention span if they're in front of screens all the time because the screens are constantly changing. Right. <laughs> their screen use, their video game play requires short attention span. Mm-hmm. rather than long attention span. So these are just examples. Uh, it, the, the demand, a child's demand for immediate gratification is reinforced through video games and, and other things online uh, rather than them learning how to delay gratification and you know, patiently right. pursue a goal put up with the frustrations of not succeeding at first and try something else and get help if you need it and then eventually you achieve your goal as a child, you know, like building a fort or, or you know, <laughs> constructing something interesting in the living room of, of the house. If a child the hasn't developed the ability the to tolerate that, mm-hmm. yes, and imagination as well. So many, many ways in which child development uh, can be negatively impacted by uh, early introduction yes. of screens. Yes, I see. And wow. I'll mention one more thing, which is it's very controversial. There are many people who want to deny this, but it, the research is absolutely clear that violence in video game play, where the, the gamer is committing violent acts, because that's the nature of the game, right. that it does, in fact, increase children's aggression. And it may not turn, you know, I'm not saying it turns them into school shooters at all. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. But it will increase their tendency to speak and behave aggressively toward their peers in the family and so forth. Okay. So wow. violence okay. in games does impact children. I've seen that, yes, uh, definitely. As a, a former substitute teacher, there's so much, I've seen so much violence in the elementary schools, let alone the middle schools, but it's uh, starting with yeah. the elementary schools and the children right. you can't sit still and they, you know, they want to, uh, you know, slap another child or I'm breaking up fights mm-hmm. and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And you talk to them right. and their parents are letting them watch all kinds of um, uh, violent uh, programs 
on TV and uh, adult programs when they should actually be in bed. So we only have about six minutes left to the end of the show. I'd like to give oh, out no. the call. I know it's, it just we're going to have to have you back. Um, <laughs> the call-in number, listeners, if you'd like to uh, slide a question in to Dr. Cash is 347-945-7433, 347-945-7433. Call in now and, and uh, hold if you have a question. So we're going to uh, move right along, Dr. Cash. Um, so we've been talking about all of these difficulties and problems with um, Internet and video games, but who actually bears responsibility for the problems we're seeing in so many children and young adults? Because some people will say it's um, the video game producers. Others will say it's the parents. And so in your opinion, what, what's, what's the answer? Well, I think the answer is that all of us bear responsibility. I think there is, I think governments need to start regulating uh, some of these things and government is really not paying attention. They are in other countries, but they're not here. I think that parents need to understand, be educated, and understand what they're dealing with so that they can take appropriate action. The video game companies, it's all about pursuit of the dollar, pursuit of profit. It's not at all about the social good. And so I think they bear responsibility and have an ethical responsibility to be thinking about these problems and taking them into account. I think schools are part of the problem because schools have just blindly, I believe, adopted the the policy of trying to get kids, very young kids, uh, you know, to have computers and to do their schoolwork on screens. And there's a lot mounting research that is showing that that can be a, a grave mistake, but schools are doing it anyway. I recommend to your audience a really fascinating book called Screen Schooled, Screen Schooled, which talks about this at length, as does another great book called Glow Kids. So if you want to learn about you know, educational problems with the educational system as regards to this problem. Uh, those are good books to read. So I think everybody, in the end, bears some okay. responsibility and can make a difference uh, by taking some positive and constructive action. I agree. I agree. It's not just, um, you know, like I say, it takes a village. So it's, it's, it's not yeah. just um, one one yeah. uh, person's trying to just right. uh, solve everything. We all have to work together. And, and, and let me just comment. Another example is, think how many parents have to work late. They have to work until 5 or 6, and their kids are, might be home. You know, they might get home from school, and there's this gap of time. And there isn't a available, affordable, really good after-school after programs. Like, that's something that is needed, good after-school mm-hmm. care. And, uh, you know, another example of what society needs to think about and provide for kids so that they're not home alone and getting in trouble. Yeah, Home Alone. I remember that movie. <laughs> that little boy <laughs> certainly got himself in a lot of trouble. Um, so uh, we're um, down to our last two minutes. I'd like for you to 
to close us out with uh, any final remarks and how can people get in contact with you if they they feel their child has uh, a video addiction or they're they like to have their child analyzed to see if they have an addiction and to get your help if they do have an addiction. Sure. Sure. Well, our website uh, address is um, eight, uh, www.netaddictionrecovery.com. And our phone number, I'm, I actually never can quite remember it, so I'm looking at it here, is um, 800-682-6934. Okay, and that's 800-682-6934. Okay. And- okay, got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're happy to talk to anyone who calls in and see if we can help them. Okay, and uh, any final remarks about um, how we uh, can all do more to get involved with, um, you know, observing our children (laughs) and being more proactive? Well, try to read about it and get educated about it. Uh, A a wonderful book is, um, well, our book, the one that Kim and I wrote, Video Games and Your Kids, is a good book to explain child development and, and the needs of kids and what parents can do to start setting appropriate boundaries with kids. These other books I've mentioned will give you information about the school system so that you can go, once you're educated and understand what's going on, go and advocate at the schools for what you think is right. Try to talk to your neighbors and friends about the problem and come together to support one another in setting the boundaries you feel ought to be set that kids are going to definitely resist. But, you know, we need to support one another. It's hard to do it when you feel isolated and alone and everybody's looking at you cross-eyed because you want to go against the trend. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cash. It has been my pleasure. Please come back and join us in the near future. I'm sure you'll have more information to share with us. Um, So you have a fantastic day. Just want to tell all our listeners that um, March 16th is our Walk of Healing, 300 Oella Avenue, Catonsville, Maryland. Also, you can learn more about health and wellness topics by uh, visiting the website Our Community Now, and also you can read my column, Your Health Matters. So until next Saturday, my partner Wendy Meyerhoff will be uh, speaking, will be uh, hosting next Saturday. And so visit the website, www.pihradio.net, to learn the upcoming shows, and uh, as well as Partners in Health dot biz www.partners and partners in health dot biz until next saturday everyone stay healthy and business savvy i'm your host gail dixon have a great day bye-bye dr cash have a fantastic day